Acuna. Welcome everyone to Expat Hoops, where we talk to basketball players who have played professionally overseas. Today we talk to Jordan Watson. He played for Central Michigan from 2004 to 2008 and is the school's all-time leader in assists and fifth in all-time scoring. His pro career started in Germany, taking him all through Europe, most recently putting him on the Romania Cup winner for 2020. As a reminder to help us grow this podcast, be sure to subscribe to our channel and hit the bell so you'll be notified every time we have new content. Now, if you'll join Tony and I in welcoming Jordan to Expat Hoops. Welcome, Jordan. Thank you, guys. Thank you guys for having me. A slight, slight correction. I am the second in assists right now. Somebody broke my record. I think Somebody broke your record. Ago. Wow. Okay. Yeah, a guy named Chris Fowler. Yeah, he broke my record. All right. So I got to give him, give him some respect on that. Okay. Do you have any eligibility left? <laughs> maybe the COVID rules but I, I, I wish it's funny because when I left there I was I was fourth in scoring I think behind like Dan Marley and all these guys and I was like 11 points behind like third and I'm like man I should have sacrificed a couple of assists and, you know and got a couple more points <laughs> well that's actually a good place to start from 2004 to 2008 you attended Central Michigan uh, we could go through, I mean, your name just populates a lot of the, the record books. If it's not first, it's definitely top five in a lot of categories. Um, what were your top memories from your time at Central Michigan? Wow. Um, I remember coming, coming on campus because I went there late. I went to prep school. So I graduated high school in 2003. I went to prep school, like post-grad prep school in 2004. Went the whole year, had like a few offers after the season. And then... I went to visit Central in like June, I think. And if anybody knows the recruiting process, that's like really late, you know? So I went there in June. Nobody's on campus. I'm talking to the coach. He's just walking around, showing me the campus and all that, but like nobody's there. So I ended up committing there. Um, so that was one of the things that stood out. And then, I don't know, just, just playing. Like I just really fell in love with the process of uh, getting better, you know, just like, when you're still young like that, you still need to be working extremely hard because that's just kind of what propels you. And then when you're working hard and you see results, you kind of fall in love with that process. So that was like my whole college experience. Like I can vividly remember times where I would have a bad shooting game. And it would make me crazy. So I would go to the gym the next day or we would have practice. I'm going back at night, getting a lot of shots up. And the next game I'm hitting my shots, scoring the ball hitting tough shots. And then it's like, you just fall in love with that process of really seeing what it takes to be successful. That's really guess, like the most, most of the, the memories I have. I guess uh, the way you described your uh, committal process is kind of interesting to me. Can you expand on that? Why did you uh, commit so late and why did you end up choosing central Michigan despite like a, uh, a visit in the middle of the summer? Um, that's just how, how it went for me. Honestly, like I had, some um, I had like some division two offers coming out of high school, some junior college offers coming out. And I always felt like I was better than that. Um, not to say like you can't get to where you want to get to from these schools. But I felt like I had more to give the game of basketball with my with my talent and my work ethic. So um, I knew a guy before who went to this prep school. My dad was really, really helpful in the whole process. So we went there and then I was getting a few offers as the year was going on. Um, but there were a lot of cause the school I went to was in Maine, Bridgeton, Maine. And uh, so a lot of the schools were on that East Coast, Northeast area. And then I wasn't sure if I wanted to do that. Um, and then I got this like Central Michigan came in late. 
you know, so I think it was a chance for me to come back home. You know, like I said, really, my really helpful. My dad was really, really helpful. You know, he he told me like, man, you should come back home. And it's like at that age, you're still kind of listening to your dad. You don't know. My dad got a great basketball mind anyway. So I took his advice. And then, like I said, they came in late, but we went to visit. Everything worked out. They uh, the point guard that was there was actually leaving, so I knew I would have a chance to come in and play right away. So with those two things, it was kind of like a no brainer. I was going to say, I know that uh, in our research that you you were the leader of the assist all four years. So, I mean, that obviously is indicative of the fact that you got to play right away. Yeah. And it was funny, man, because it was like coming out of high school, I scored a lot. But it was like my personality and my mindset is always like, man, like I want to do this together. Like, I don't want to just be that guy, you know. So it was a, it was a journey learning how to, like, get other guys involved and play. So it was like. I was averaging a lot of turnovers just out there kind of playing crazy, but I had that experience. I think I averaged like 36 or 38 minutes. I think one of these years there, you know, so everything I'm learning is just throw me in the fire. I'll figure it out, you know, and I I had that experience. Now we lost some games for sure, (laughs) but (laughs) I like that, that, that process and that experience of being able to play was just amazing. Well, at some point, uh, we talked about this a little bit off the pod, that um, you started playing against some guys that had, had already graduated and everything like that. And this kind of is a good segue into when you decided to really to become a pro. We talked off the pod, of course, that it was always a, a dream to play professional basketball. But getting down into it in terms of in your college career, when did that kind of uh, occur to you to actually say, OK, I should really start looking to go professional? And how did that journey look like to you? Yeah, so I always wanted to play in the NBA from, like, a little kid. Like, I always wanted to play professionally, right? And I always thought I would go to the NBA. I didn't know the path or how it would happen. I just really believed and was just a big dreamer and thinker that, like, I'm going to the NBA somehow. And then I think we we, we would be playing in the summer, and a lot of alumni would come back and play with us. And then they're telling me they're playing in this country and they're making this much money and all that. And then we go to open gym and I really feel like, like, I'm killing this dude. You know what I mean? Like I'm a sophomore junior. He's playing where? And I'm like, I really feel like I'm killing them. Step backs, game winners. Like, and it was, I felt like it was kind of easy also not to take anything away from these guys. Cause they're really, really good players. But I'm like, man, okay. If these guys are doing, doing this and then I'm over here in college still playing and competing with these guys, I definitely feel like I can play in Europe, you know? So that was my moment where I was like, okay, like I know, this NBA thing doesn't work out for sure. I can go play in Europe. And it wasn't any like thought in my mind about it. So fast forward to um, when you're actually starting to get towards leaving of school, the end of school. Um, I think we also talked off the pot a little bit about how one of the guys actually was pretty instrumental in linking you up with an agent that led to your first deal, right? Yeah, definitely. You know, it was a guy named uh, Tim Kisner. He's uh, he played at my school a couple of years before me. But um, he would always come back and keep in touch with the guys and play with us. And um, I don't know, he just connected me with this guy, you know, an agent um, that actually had just finished his career playing in Europe. So he he brought me a few offers and then uh, he got me to leave the offer in Germany my first year. I went over there. It was actually uh, I think it was, I went kind of late. So I think they probably started preseason around beginning of August. And um, I didn't I didn't go until. I think I can remember I left on September 1st, actually. Yeah. So um, they were getting rid of a guy. It didn't work out with him. So they brought me in on a two-week trial. And then I went over there. And it was funny because, again, like, I'm going to a foreign country. I have no clue what's going on. 
So I'm thinking everything I'm hearing is like, when you get to Europe, you got to be a point guard. You know, they want you to score, but you got to do it in different ways. And so my first game, we go, we, we're practicing for a couple, like a, probably like a week and a half, two weeks. And then, no, a week and a half, yeah, because that, that weekend is when the, the, the trial ended. We're practicing. We go play a game. First game, I have like nine points, like four assists, whatever, thinking I'm running the team, playing good defense, pretty good. The coach pulled me to the side. He's like, man, I need you to score like a little bit more. I'm thinking like, bro, what? Like, this is actually what I do. You know what I mean? Like, please, thank you for telling me it's actually, you know. So then the next game, I come out at 27. Next game, I have 24. It, but it was just interesting because I knew, like, I could score. But then I see my teammates are kind of unhappy. Like, okay, like now they want the ball. They're not getting the ball when they like it. So it's like, okay, I'm, the coach is telling me to do this, but I know I got to keep these guys involved and happy. So it's kind of like this is being point guard in Europe. You know what I mean? Like you got to be able to score. You got to be able to create, but then you got to keep guys in rhythm, keep them happy. So I learned that kind of early. Like, so it's always navigating that, that field. Germany's pretty high level basketball and you spent two years in Germany. Um, you seem to have a, a good deal of success afterward. You go to Iceland, which mm-hmm. no disrespect to Iceland, but Iceland isn't quite on uh, the German leagues level. You have right. a good amount of success in Iceland though, too. You super cup in 2011 company cup in 2011 uh, premier league and champion uh, there in 2012. Uh, what was your decision to end up going to Iceland ultimately like? Was it business or something else? And and how was your experience there after playing in Germany? Um, it actually came down to, like, I was doing a lot of things. Like I said, I always wanted to play in the NBA. So I'm doing a lot of things with the D-League, or with the D-League at the time. It's G-League now. So I'm trying. I'm going to different trials there, workouts there. And I'm turning down offers, opportunities in Europe, trying to chase this dream, you know? So it's like it gets to the point where it's like turning down offers, doing these G League trials, not working out. Team's not not keeping me, saying we like you, but this and that. So it's like now you're turning down offers in Europe, going on a wish, you know, and then next thing you know, it's December, you don't have a job. It's like, okay, January, you don't have a job. So it's like, man, like the worst thing that could happen is you go this whole year without playing, you know? So I'm like, man... I knew it's funny, the uh, the team in Iceland that I went to, they had a relationship with the, the president of the team in Germany. So I guess they would always watch our games. And then I think they saw that I didn't have a job. Like I was just at home. They're like, man, what's up with this guy watching? Like, we really like him. And we come to yeah, end up working out like that. So that was my first year. Yeah, that was my first year in Iceland. And then I played good. And I went back. And then, because uh, I was like, man, let's just go over there and win a championship at least. You know, you didn't have, you went to Iceland for like half a season, not even. You got to just put a whole season together and do good wherever it is. So I did that. And then it worked out a little bit. We were in the championship, won the cup. Things were cool, you know, but that's really how it went. I turned down some offers. And then next thing you know, like you just got to get a job and go play. So it worked out like that. So actually one of our early guests and she's still involved with our podcast. She, she started out in Iceland and uh, kind of, this is a little bit of the the conversation we would have uh, with her, you know, off the pod and stuff like that. Never really get used to being dark so early and, and everything wow. like that. And then like, <laughs> it was a crazy experience. So like when you get there, it's like the end of summer. 
So it's still kind of bright. As and then it's like when they get when fall winter hit, it's like man, six o'clock at night, dark. Maybe even before that. And then like and then as the season's going on, you're leaving in April. I think it got dark at like ten o'clock at night. I remember we won the championship and we're partying. It got dark maybe at like, like ten o'clock at night. And then the sun was back up at two in the morning. Like it was some of the craziest thing like I've ever been a part of. It's like you, you appreciate these experiences, you know, like getting a chance to go to all these geysers, the blue lagoon and different things. Like you, you appreciate that because it's like nowhere in the world is like Iceland at all. And it's funny. They have some of the, the coolest people I've ever met. Like, man, I'm getting invited to eat dinner at people's house like every night. Like it was just really, really was like an amazing time. Yeah, that's definitely sort of one of the things is where we're trying to say is like, yeah, I mean, basketball wise, it may not necessarily be, you know, one of the elite for overseas, but certainly one of the more enjoyable experiences. I think I haven't heard a single person say I didn't enjoy my time in Iceland. It's between the natural yeah. beauty and, and the experience. It's like you said, pretty much like no other. Yeah, and the seafood there was like amazing. Like some of the I remember one time they brought like so a lot of the guys in our city, our city was a port city. So it's like right, right by the water. So like some of the managers or whatever, they, they work at seamen also, like they go out to catch fish. So I remember one time, man, they brought us like some lobster they had just caught like hours ago. And I tell you, like, if you eat, like when I eat lobster and seafood now, it's like, no way, no way is this comparable to what I had. So I remember they just brought it, we were eating at the dinner table. They had just a mound of lobster, some toast and butter. And it was probably like the best like meal I ever had in my life, man. It was amazing. Mm. Yeah, Iceland's a nice place to live. Um, mm -hmm. the, there are some adjustments you have to make, as you said, with the uh, certain seasons being certain ways. Uh, I mentioned this actually with Fallon. This was over a year ago now when we uh, talked about this with Fallon. But uh, one of the things I've always wanted to do is during the summer, around the summer solstice, it's basically light out 24 hours for a couple of days. Mm -hmm. really? I, want, yeah. I wanted to just like play golf at like midnight, like tee off at midnight and, you know, use the light to... Yeah. to go about at night so that's always something that uh is on my list of things to do mm -hmm. yeah it's um, a really really cool place i think everybody should visit there hi i'm maurice acker from 2020 tbt champion golden eagles here to remind you to follow aspect hoops on facebook and twitter and subscribe to their youtube channel and listen to their podcast on the by george podcasting network on your favorite podcasting platform So you like the Arctic Circle so much, you decided to stay there. You ended up in Finland. Um, tell us about the Finnish league. We haven't had many people that have played in Finland. Uh, we've had some other people that have played in Sweden, and I believe Norway uh, is one of the more popular destinations. What is the Finnish league like? Um, Finnish league is uh, so it's, it's one of the few leagues where they actually play a lot of games in their domestic league. So we were playing two games a week in our domestic league. We had like four rounds where you play each team like four times. So it was like, yeah, that's one of the few leagues in Europe where you're actually like playing like Wednesday, Saturday. Like you're always traveling, you're playing the games, you're leaving game day. Like, and so it was like you go on a road trip. Sometimes it'd be six hours, you get off the bus, play a game, coming right back. You know, like, so it's different in that aspect of uh, a lot of games. It's not like you go in the night before staying in a hotel, you know, like it wasn't as detailed as some of the other uh, countries, 
But I'm like, they have a lot of coaches over there who are actually smart and understand basketball a lot. So when I say detail, I guess I meant like going night before a game, getting your rest. Like, no, you're, you're going on the bus before, play the game, going right back type stuff. So, yeah, but they play up and down. Um, it's an undersized league, so it's a lot spread out, playing pretty fast. But, um, yeah, it was, it was a good time. I only played there for one year, but it was a good time. Well, after that year, you wound up going to Romania for the first time. You're actually sitting uh, down with us from Romania now, and you've spent a considerable amount of time in Romania. Take mm-hmm. us through the first season or the first time that you were in Romania and sort of what kind of might have like planted the seeds for you to come back to the country and why it's been so comfortable for you ever since. Um, it's funny. When I first got here, I was like, where am I at? Like one of the first times I was like, what is going on? You know, but uh, it was it was it was cool. You know, um, again, it was in a situation where I got to play uh, and just just really kind of be myself with things. You know, um, I met one of my best friends, Porter Troop. I think you guys had him on here a few episodes ago. Yeah, I met one of my best friends. He was on that team, actually. And he really is probably like a big, a big reason why things went so smooth for me here because he had been here before and he's just got the personality that's very like inviting helpful um he's a very smart guy so he could definitely point you in the right directions on how to be successful like on and off the court so he helped out a lot you know um and then like i said that team we had was a pretty pretty good group of guys we ended up winning a cup that year and then i always felt like so when you win the cup it qualifies you for european competition you know, and I always felt like, man, like, I know I'm a pretty, pretty good player. Nobody has seen me yet, you know. So I'm like, man, I got to come back to this team um, just to get on that international stage, you know. So that was kind of one of the main reasons I came back going into the next year. And was that actually when you got your passport, uh, Romanian passport? Mm-mm. I got that, like, years later. So that next year, we uh, we had a pretty good year, you know. Um, we ended up getting third in what was Euro challenge back then. I think that's kind of equivalent to like champions league right now. Um, and that kind of set my career on a, on a different path, you know? So then I think we, I played pretty good that year. Got some notoriety. The whole team did actually, but um, got some notoriety. People started taking notice. Like who is this guy? I never heard of him playing in Romania and all these smaller countries. And then I think the people here, they wanted to change around the national team and I played good. So they, um, Asked me if I wanted it. I'm like, yeah, we'll, let's make it happen. Uh, go from Romania, and you you end up in Turkey. Uh, I don't believe we've also had very many guests that have played in Turkey either. Um, that's not a destination that a lot of people have uh, played in. But my understanding is that their um, league there is at a pretty high level as well uh, in general. Uh, what was your general experience there? So I think at that time, like it could have been argued that Turkey was the, and it was actually ranked the best league in Europe at that time. I know people always say Spain, but I think right around then it was kind of like Turkey and Spain were going back and forth for the best league. You know, you had all, like every team over there was playing some kind of inter- international competition. If it was Champions League or, no, I, you know, Champions League was the next year. If it was the Euro Cup or Euro League or something, you know what I mean? Like it was every week, like, you're playing against like a name that's making a lot of money, you know? So um, that experience was a, uh, was pretty interesting just coming from a lower level and then making it to probably like one of the highest levels in Europe. You know, you get to see 
play against these guys. Like, of course, you play against like top guys in the summer all the time. But then when you're actually playing against them in official games, you get to see like, okay, this is what's going on. You get to see what this guy is doing. You get to compare yourself, and you know what I mean. Just all that that whole that whole aspect of the thing was a uh, was pretty cool and pretty interesting. And then uh, you get to you get to learn like, okay, I need to be doing this. I need to be doing that. And you're learning all on the fly, all on the fly, you know? So it was just a different new experience, but then something that you can't let it be an experience because you have to go out there and produce, you know, like you can't, you have, you need to figure out what you need to be doing and doing it quick, you know? So it was funny. Like when uh, I think in the preseason, so I just came from a team where we shared the ball. I'm playing with Porter. Porter's a high level guy. He thinks the game. I'm playing with other guys who think the game. You get the Turkey. Like we're bringing you here to average 20 points. We don't care about all this other stuff. This is just how it is. So I had to make an adjustment like quick, like, okay, you're used to playing normal basketball. They don't want you to play normal basketball here. You need to kind of go back to your college days. So it was like, okay. I remember I was talking to my other friend, Shane LaWall. He knew somebody on our team or something like that. I can't remember. He was like, yo, call me now. I'm like, all right, bro. I'll call him. He's like, bro, you need to go over there. You need to stop playing around and being all nice. You need to go kill. Cause I got a call my agent or still it was agent. He's like, my agent's like, man, they're thinking about bringing another point guard in. I'm like, so I'm like, all right, bro. <laughs> like he told me this changed my whole mindset and things like kind of took off. We're better since then. You actually have gone through a lot there that I want to unpack. I just, I'm trying just trying to figure out which question I want to ask first. <laughs> yeah, both, both Shane and Porter um, not only have been guests before uh, super nice guys that they put us in contact with you and everything as you know, Shane specifically, but you know, Porter obviously as well. And, and Porter, I mean, in his interview, gave us so much in terms of like understanding of basketball it's that that much is clear so uh, there's i've got like three questions that i want to ask you so let's see if i remember them um one was kind of like when you're talking about uh you know guys you know you play in the summer and everything like that and take us i i have a pretty good idea of what you're saying but take us through exactly what you mean in terms of like all right this is a person like when you see them in turkey and what they do in like league environment games that that's slightly different than when you see them in the summer um I don't know. I, I guess the biggest thing I noticed was like guys really care about their individual success. You know what I mean? And it's like, okay, in the summer, you don't put too much like judgment. Okay, it's the summer. Guys go hard in the summer. Some guys chill. But it's like you, you just start to notice like guys, they care about their assists. They care about their points. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like me, I never really cared I always cared about the end result being a W you know what I mean or making sure we were doing what's important for the team to win and then it's like oh okay if I want to get like I'm making cool money now but if I want to get to like the real money these individual things matter and it's sad that it's got to be like that but it but it just is what it is you know what I mean like we brought you here to 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 do this like I know you think this is how you want to win and it's like kind of been a thing for me my whole career but it's like yeah, you you think you need to win like this? No, we want you to win like this. And it's kind of like, you know, I'm the one kind of out here running the show. Like, you kind of need to trust me a little bit. And it's like, there's always this tug of war with that situation. And I think one of the other questions I had, this is a, almost a perfect segue into it too, is that when you're talking about like that one experience where, you know, you had to talk to Shane and everything like that. And, you know, he's hearing rumblings that they're thinking about bringing another point guard, you know? So obviously you got told, I, I don't want to say directly, but pretty pretty directly that you know you basically got to change up your game a little bit as you've gotten through your international career 
is there anything you see as like an almost like a telltale sign or something like that? Or do you almost have a conversation with these clubs of saying, look, what is it that you want from me? Because you seem to be like you're a pretty adaptable player. Like if it's for the team, I can do that. If it's more individual, all right, it's not the way I prefer to play, but I can do it. Mm-hmm. Or is that something um, you just kind of feel out like through the first, you know, the preseason or the first few games? Uh, I, I, it's funny. Like I've always started off seasons kind of slow because I'm, I'm going to fill out my guys, you know, like I, that's just me. And I've learned to go down with me before I'm trying to be what somebody else wants, you know, um, I really just be comfortable being me. So first couple games, it's always like, what's he doing? But I'm kind of like seeing like, okay, this guy, this, or he's doing this. How can I, because I feel like I can adapt my game. If you need me to score, I can score. If you need me to kind of run a show, I can run a show, you know? Um, so I'm just kind of adapting and seeing what's going on. So I don't, it's not, I've never, I mean, coaches, good coaches are going to call you in the summer. Like, this is what I expect from you. Like one of the best coach I ever had, he told me, like, man, I give my point guards the ball. I give them control. If we win, you get the praise. If we lose, it's going to be your fault. And it was like, I respect him so much for that because a lot of coaches, I mean, being a point guard, I loved it, you know? Um, and I just respect them for it. Cause like, you really, he gave me the opportunity to be mean. Every player wants the opportunity. And sometimes on teams, you're not going to be that guy. They want the wing to be the guy. They want the big man to be the guy. But this, this coach, actually, when I was playing with Porter my second year, he came in, he's called me and told me right away, like, man, this is going to be your show. Either you're going to do something with it or you're not. And if it's going to be a problem, you know, you might get out of here. Like, and I respect that because you told me right away and you're giving me the opportunity that I really want. So, yeah. Hi, I'm Gabe Norwood coming to you from Manila. You're listening to Expat Hoops. Subscribe to their YouTube channel and follow them on Instagram, Facebook, and on Twitter so you don't miss any of the latest interviews. And follow the By George Podcasting Network for all of their podcasts. Click it. So from Turkey, you end up in France. Uh, we were talking a little bit about your experience before the pod. You were at Le Mans. We've had people that have played at Le Mans before. Generally, when people go to France, people will have a pretty good time. Your experience a little bit different. Yeah, I, I won't say I hated it. You know what I mean? Because it was just it's still France. You know what I mean? Like there was a lot of things that you can take off the court and on the court. You know, but I just didn't have the best opportunity. I mean, I didn't have the best time there. I didn't have the best experience there. It was just it just is what it is. Like the team, so and so, like we could have did better. We didn't off the court it was just kind of like mm. you know it just wasn't the best experience for me personally and it's interesting i've talked to guys it's like either they love it or they hate it i've never seen somebody just in between on the situation you know so i don't know the way they, they play basketball there wasn't my ideal type but again it's a it's an experience that you try to learn from and see what you can do better as a player and then you just go from there you know what was it about the basketball that wasn't really uh, appealing to your game? Um, I think, I'm, like, as you get older, you just want to make basketball as simple as possible. You know, like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to take a step back three with 18 seconds on the shot clock. Like, I can get that same shot with five seconds. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know. And I just don't feel like that's how they play basketball there. You know, like not to like bag on France at all, like at all, because I know there's some very high level coaches. There's some very high level players there for sure. But just in my eyes, like it just wasn't 
my ideal style of basketball, especially when you get older. Now, if I was younger, you just want me to run around and just go try to score and just be free. Cool. But I just feel like I've had success in making the game as simple as possible. Like, why are we not doing that here? And it was just a problem, you know? And so this is 2017. And so we have come up on the, what has basically been the last country stop of your career. You're been in Romania ever since. Mm-hmm. And you have won the Romanian Cup in 2018, Liga Nacionala in 2020, Super Cup in 2020 as well. So you had a great deal of success uh, in the previous season. Uh, you've been there now for going on four years. Is that right? Uh, coming back, yeah. Yeah. Yep, this is going to be my fourth year coming back, yeah. Uh, so uh, you, my fifth, actually. Yeah, as as is, far as I know, and as far as I know and as far as I can remember, I don't think anybody else has been as long a tenured in a single country for a consecutive period than, than you have. It's pretty close. Uh, I know some people have spent three years in one place before is pretty rare. And from our experience, three or four years is pretty rare in general for, our, for people to stay in one place. So you must really like it there and you must really like what you're doing. Um, tell us about the time that you spent there the past couple of years and uh, why you've decided to stick it out. Um, so, yeah, coming back to the whole uh romanian passport thing i was playing in france and that's kind of when we started finalizing all the papers for uh for the passport so then i played in france and then the team over here um they knew i was getting the passport they wanted i mean it's definitely a helpful situation to have a player like a foreign player with the passport you know so they talked to me came back over here it's a pretty good situation um and then I think I was probably, what, 32 around that time, I think, 31, 32. So, yeah, I've been there. And then it's kind of like when you start getting around that age and you're kind of undersized already, it's like you got to start making smart decisions about what you're going to do. You know what I mean? And, again, it's kind of like do you want to start taking risks again about trying to meet new coaches, new players? You know what I mean? It's just that whole situation. It was already a place that I was in and comfortable with. So I came um, – it's actually the team I'm on now. Uh, the team is called uh, UBT uh, Cluj. Um, I'm playing there. We didn't win the championship. We got the, the highest budget, most talented, best team. We didn't win the championship that year. I was on a basically like a two-year contract or one plus one. They cut the contract. So on me, like, I've always been kind of like, like undersized, overlooked. I took that as like disrespect. Like, if you think I'm the problem, okay. okay. You know what I mean? So then I Another team here offered me, and that was my second year after I came back. So I went there with the sole, like, idea of, like, if they think I'm the problem now, you're going to have to deal with who you think the problem is. You know what I mean? So we end up having a pretty good year. We win the championship that year. And then, again, that qualified us for championship uh, Champions League. So I'm like, man, should I stay? I, was on, I had a two-year, a two-year contract with that team. I'm like, man, I just – had a pretty good year. We won the championship. They gave me MVP in the finals. It's like, do I want to roll the dice and try it again? I'm already 32, going on 33, like trying to get back in Europe. Or do I just like settle here? You know, the team, you know, the guys on the, in the league. Again, you know, that whole comfort piece versus trying to be courageous. And it was like, I just chose like, okay, man, you did sign a two-year contract. You kind of need to honor your contract. I don't, I never wanted to be the guy who's breaking contracts and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I ended up staying there, stayed with that team for two more years and now I'm back here. So any particular, um, 
you know, people that you know, other than Porter, or I mean, if it is Porter that you're looking forward to playing this year, or that kind of like a season outlook? Um, I mean, well, I'm, I'm actually hurt right now. Like my team has been playing. They just had the Super Cup and they had the Champions League qualifiers that they qualified for. So I haven't played in any of these games yet. So I've got a chance to sit back and watch, you know, the, uh, like they just had the Super Cup. And I think they've got some, some, some pretty good players over there. I think they got a guy you guys might have. Did you guys interview uh, Gotcher? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Because yeah, so okay, we had, Vlad uh, went to George Mason, our, our undergrad, mm-hmm. and he transferred to American and finished out. But yeah, uh, Todd is, is over there as well. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So I, I got a chance to see him play. For the first time, I had heard of him. I had never seen him play, but he's a pretty good player, aggressive, can shoot the ball. Um, and I know Vlad. So I, I think that'll be a pretty good, good matchup for us. For us. Um, and then uh, my, my, my former team, I know all those guys over there too. Uh, so that'll be, be fun to play against them again. You know, so it'll be a pretty interesting season for sure. And so actually with this particular season, uh, you know, obviously with you, speedy recovery but looking ahead uh how much longer do you think that you want to play and are, are there any other countries that you're kind of looking to to play in or are you just really looking to play for as long as possible whether that's in romania or anywhere it doesn't matter um i mean it's funny like i was talking to one of my teammates he's a year younger than me like i turned 36 in october and he's uh i think he's 34 so he's gonna turn 35 pretty soon He's like, gee, how long you want to play? He's like, man, <laughs> I'm like, bro, I take it year by year. Or sometimes I take it day by day. You know what I mean? Because it's like your body is like, of course, you're still healthy and can play. But sometimes you just have little knickknack things that just bug you. And it's like, man, I'm still dealing with this. Like, how long do I want to deal with this? Or it's just it's more so just annoying. You know, like you got to warm up a little longer now or you might have to recover a little longer. Things like that. And then for me, like I said, I'm single. I don't have any kids. Sometimes I just wonder, like, or like how long are you going to play before you actually, like, decide to be, like, a real adult? You know what I mean? And, like, start <laughs> life. You know what I mean? So it's like, I think about things like this uh, a lot. So, yeah, I really just take it year by year, man. As long as I'm still enjoying it and I can still compete at a high level, I'll probably keep playing. But then there's sometimes I just think, like, man, like, I need to start a life in America pretty soon. You know what I mean? Like you've been living in Europe for this is my 14th season, you know, and it's not going to last for forever. So sooner or later you need to like make that happen. Two things about that. Number one, 14 years in Europe. I do not weep for you. First of all, (laughs) second of all, (laughs) second of all related to the first ticket from two normal adults. It's overrated. Just I, I, was gonna, I was actually going to even say is like, you could have a whole conversation on what is a normal adult life. I mean, like, Mm -hmm. That's a whole other topic. I mean, and it's funny. I mean, the people always say the grass is always greener on the other side. You know right. what I mean? And it's like, for sure, I don't take playing basketball and, and living abroad for granted because it's been a beautiful thing. Like, it's, it's it's really been a beautiful thing, and I enjoy it, you know? But I just look at it like, and that's, like, what I have to tell myself. Like, am I really feeling like this, or am I just feeling like the grass is green over there because you get this, you, you're you missing out on weddings or you don't have any kids and you're thinking like, man, one of these days I need to do this. I'm going to be 50 having a two-year-old run around. Like, that's crazy. You know what I mean? Like you think about things like this. So it's like, as much as I think about it, I don't stress about it. I think God has a plan for my life. And I kind of just roll with it like that. That was Jordan Watson on Expat Hoops. I'm Tony Budney here to remind you to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. 
We also have a Patreon, which we have plans to expand soon, so keep an eye out and toss us a fiver in the meantime to help keep our podcast afloat. That's roughly one less latte or beer a month, depending on what kind you drink. Come on, help Andy and I out here, and tune in next time on Expat Hoops. <laughs>